Time now for the Off Day Podcast with Andy Hart and Chris Scheim on WEEI.com. Back for another exciting edition of the Off Day Podcast with a focused on... I'm going to start out again because it's focused. <laughs> Three, two... Back for another scintillating edition of the Off Day Podcast. Focus on the offensive line in the 2022 NFL Draft. This, I think, could be a a bit of a controversial topic as we look into Patriots' needs on the offensive line, the possibility that they could draft an offensive lineman, which position, how high. So we're going to get into all that discussion. I'm Andy Hart. He's Chris Scheim. We've been doing this for... Hi! We've been doing this for a couple weeks now on... I guess more exciting positions, skill positions, which is, I've always found a little bit offensive. I think there's skill involved in the offensive line. It's just differing skills. I agree. As a wide body yourself, you might want to uh, defend your peeps at times because, especially in the modern NFL, I mean, if you're blocking, let's just say, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, I think there's skill involved with that. Uh, I would say there is a massive amount of skill involved with that, and uh, I don't think offensive linemen get enough credit. Shout out Creed Humphrey. Should have been, or basically could have been the offensive rookie of the year yep. last year, but he wasn't because he doesn't play a skill position. That's right. Well, the reality is if you don't catch the ball or throw the ball these days, you're kind of a uh, second-class citizen in the National Football League. But that's yes, you are. different topic for a different day. So the Patriots' offensive line this offseason lost Ted Karras as a free agent, and whatever you think Ted Karras was early in his career, you know, Later round pick, was cut by the team, spent a little time on the practice squad, I believe, and then developed over the last three years into a starting caliber interior offensive lineman, center, then guard last year, and now is going to make a little money protecting Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Patriots also chose to trade away their other starting guard from last year, Shaq Mason, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a uh, third-day draft pick, which... A lot Made of us no are still, sense to me. Still questioning. Uh, they have on the interior David Andrews returning. They have, I assume, Mike Onwenu sliding into one of those starting jobs. They re-signed Trent Brown on a multi-year deal, which I think is good value because it's basically based on playing time and staying yep. uh, under his weight. And they have Isaiah Wynn, the controversial former first-round pick, in the uh, fifth year of his rookie deal, making $10 million to play... I guess left tackle, which is what he's primarily played uh, here in New England. I think there are still some that would like to bump him into left guard this year and maybe look at the offensive line in a slightly different way moving forward. Uh, They also re-signed James Ferentz. They have some other guys on the roster that I'm going to be honest with you, I either don't like in Yadni Kajust or Yasir Durant or people I don't really know much about. I don't really know who Drew Desajale is is i don't uh, even know if you pronounce that right but I i'm agree pretty sure I, I didn't um justin haran like they have some guys that have been around lower on the roster that i don't really i'm not going to say they can never play because we've seen in new england over the years guys kind of work their way up the depth chart and eventually have roles but i do think there's at least one starting job up for grabs with the departure of ted Karras, and then there's some questions as to how you formulate the line i mean it wouldn't be crazy to think Isaiah Wynn moves to left guard. Trent Brown moves to left tackle, where he was successful in his first stint with the Patriots. And maybe you're looking for either a right guard or a right tackle, depending on what you think of Mike Onwenu. The one question I would start with you. We've talked about wide receiver and cornerback priority-type positions. Yep. How high is the priority at offensive line, and where do you think the target skill set, target player should be? 
Uh, you have your quarterback. You have running backs. I think offensive line is immediately very important. Uh, I, I don't think it's as important as a number one receiver, but it's pretty close. Like I, I think securing an offensive line is one of the most important things in all of football. You saw how it negatively impacted the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are number one on the list of, of teams you look at and go, wow, that's really talented, but their offensive line stinks. So a lot of guys just can't do what they're meant to do. And so I think offensive line is an underrated aspect of football. I don't think people give enough credit to the guys in the trenches. And I think that the Patriots should consider taking a an offensive lineman. I will specify it as I, I would I would go as a tackle. I think they should be taking a tackle in the second round ish area. I uh, I don't know that I would love it if they went tackle in the first round. I would be okay with it because I get it and, and that indicates to me a clear path for Isaiah Wynn. That means he's either going to be a guard or he's not going to be on the team. And so in that regard, I understand it. I wouldn't love it. I would be totally okay with a tackle in the second round, however. But if you're going to tell me you're going to use a first-round pick on a guard after you just dealt away Shaq Mason for a fifth-round pick who's on a very manageable contract at the guard position, I absolutely despise and hate that, that move. I just don't think the value is high enough at the position of guard that you need to go in the first round. I think you are plenty capable of finding guards in the third, fourth, fifth round of the draft, and you've shown that over the course of history here in New England. Yeah, drafting a guard to me is a lateral move. You had a good guard. I don't, I don't even think it's lateral. I think it's a step back. Uh, yeah, I guess you, you could a, argue you that. You had a top five guard in the NFL right. to go to a guy who's an unknown commodity that you're still going to have to pay a decent amount of money when it's all said and done because he's a first-round pick. Right. So like, yeah. that's why, to me, if you trade Shaq Mason and replace him with a fifth-round pick guard, that is a step forward to me because that indicates to me, okay, you are drastically shedding salary and inserting a guy into the same position. That makes sense. Yeah, they've had better success in recent history with their later offensive line picks. Mike Longwenu, sixth-round pick. Longwenu, Mason, even Joe Tooney. David Andrews, like, undrafted. Undrafted. It's it's Isaiah Wynn, which is the glaring swing and a miss, and yes. then they've had a few third round picks in there that never really panned out, never really yeah, did anything. Yeah, your Rodney Kajust, your James Ferentz, third yep. and fourth round there. Yeah, yeah. So um, they have guys that I don't l- love in that, but the the question for me is, like, I I agree with you. I'd be looking at tackle because it's the priority position. It's a even if you are comfortable with Wynn at left and Brown at right, you need a tackle moving forward which yes. is the way they've handled it. You know, uh, the classic example is Nate Solder. They drafted a year early. He played right tackle. He played extra tight end, and then he replaced Matt Light the following season. So they've done that, you know, in the past. And I would also argue if you draft a tackle, and they a lot of these guys have flexibility these days too. How old am I? I just said these days. Um, these guys have t- some flexibility. So if you add a flexible guy to a flexible guy theoretically and win – battle it out in camp who knows exactly how the positions unfold but if you take a guy that can be your left tackle in the future I don't think you'll ever regret it quite frankly even in the first round you know we're, we're talking about um, sort of the skeleton of a contender and I've said you know if you had signed JC Jackson long term well you check off that box of what you need to be a Super Bowl contender a number one corner well you do the same thing even if you take a, a left tackle in the first round you say okay I got Mac Jones 
I just got Mac Jones' left tackle. I'm checking off boxes to being you a look long-term at, Look at build. the Chargers last year. They did exactly yep. that. They had the quarterback in Justin Herbert. It's like, okay, we're going to go get Rashawn Slater. He's going to be our left tackle for the next 10 years. And, and you've completely checked off that box. You don't even have to think about it for ten a decade, like until Justin Herbert's well into his probably third contract at that point. Right, right. So, okay, so I think we both agree – uh, a relatively high need, the offensive yes. line. It's just deciding where, what position to target, and when, when to target it. Whether it's first day, second day, you know, sprinkle in a couple over the course of the draft, which is probably the most likely. Whether you get one in the first or second round or not, you're probably going to sprinkle in one or two in the later rounds um, because that's you need it. Now, let me ask you one question before we get into the prospects. Does does the we've talked a lot about the coaching staff on the off day podcast? Yes, we have. Where do you like? How do do you look at the offensive line draft and development program any differently? Because no scar, it, it, no scar, but also it appears Matt Patricia is the guy on the offensive line. And I was actually listening to uh, Daniel Jeremiah, big fan of the uh, Move the Sticks podcast with Bucky Brooks. Yep, two not former to timestamp this, but uh, I believe he will be on Mud at Night tonight. Oh, Tuesday nice. night, right? Uh, sure, we'll go with it. So. Um, big fan of his. I, I think he's really, really good. And what I like about Daniel Jeremiah is he's not as arrogant. And I don't. I, I some people think I'm extremely arrogant. No, nope, I think know exactly arrogant. what you mean. He's not Mike Lombardi, right? But he gives great experience, insight, opinions. And he and, and Bucky Brooks were talking about they could literally remember when they were in uh, personnel meetings without coaches. Coaches weren't involved in the process yet, so they're doing their pre-draft work just as scouts and you know personnel directors. And there were discussions about prospects who they could and couldn't draft for their particular team at that particular time because of the who the assistant coach was. And I was I was uh, somewhat shocked with the conversation where Jeremiah admitted he's been in rooms where somebody let's just say cornerback, yeah, we like this guy, he's raw. If we had a, a more experienced cornerbacks coach, a guy we had more confidence to develop and coach this guy up, I think he's the pick. But we can't. We need to go with a more fundamentally sound player. And that, the fact that that's a consideration I had never really huh. thought of, and it's kind of weird to think of. Well, why is that guy the coach then if you don't trust him to coach up a player? Like, you think the player's talented enough to take? He's the better talent, but you won't take him? I found that interesting. But do you think that's an issue with the Patriots, would they take somebody for Dante Skarniecki, who they may or may not take with Matt Patricia, or is it, you know, in Bill Belichick's eyes, a wash? I I think Belichick trusts his guys as much as I may not like Matt Patricia. <laughs> I think Belichick trusts his guys. There's a reason he brought him back. He trusts his guys. And, and so yeah, they're I, don't, I don't think Belichick would hesitate in that regard when it comes to drafting offensive linemen. Okay. Um, I, I think that he is still conv- very much convinced that he can, in some way or another, whether it's Matt or himself, help coach a guy up. Okay. So, oh boy, himself. So now he's coaching every... No, I, you know what I mean. Uh, can I Can I also, before we continue, can I go on a quick little tangent uh, about Daniel Jeremiah and some of his comments? Sure. Uh, because he had a Bel- Bill Belichick-specific one that actually made me very much uh, rethink my thoughts of the signing of Jabril Peppers. So okay. I, it's, I felt like it was apropos. Um, and so I heard this, actually, Danny Kelly of The Ringer mentioned this. How one time Daniel Jeremiah was talking about 
he was taking notes during a Belichick kind of like draft press conference back when Belichick was the defensive coordinator of the Giants. Okay. And Belichick talked about how you can dominate an NFL game from the safety position. Okay. And then I, I kind of started to begin to understand more so why Belichick might be accruing all these safeties. The idea of playing a too high safety defense means that you have two guys who can do the exact same thing at safety. That way you have no idea which guy is rotating down into the box and which guy is going to be playing center field. Right. And so that immediately indicated to me, okay, you're going to see, you brought back Devin McCourty to play center field occasionally, but I think you're going to see Devin McCourty off the field more frequently so that two guys like Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips, Jabril Peppers can just constantly be in the game and rotate at that too high safety position, seeing as you saw such an a dramatic, an absolutely drastic increase in too high defense last year. Uh, you saw it against the Chiefs, and especially the Bills play it all the time with guys like Poyer and Hyde. Yep. And so I think that it made so much more sense to me. It, it kind of all just clicked, and I felt a little bit better about the Jabril. To be optimistic, I felt a little bit better about the Jabril Pepper signing after hearing that and understanding the kind of thought process behind that. Just to piggyback on that, I know in the early tenure, like the early 10 years, tenure of 10 years of the Belichick era, uh, covering him, he would often push back if anyone asked questions about his, quote, free and strong safety. He'd say, I, I mean, we just see him as safeties. We, yep. we just, you know. And I, and I do think he prefers that. I think they've gotten away from that personnel-wise. I, I mean, Devin McCourty was essentially a free safety. Yes. And Patrick so. Chung or Adrian Phillips or Duggar, these guys were strong safeties. But it, it doesn't surprise me. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they try to go to more of a split safety, just, you know, right and left safety look, because I do think he likes that unpredictability. It's also, and we may get into this in a future podcast, why I think some people have been late to add uh, Dax Hill out of Michigan to the potential Patriots first round pick list, even though safety spot looks to be loaded and deep. Um, he's an interesting player that may fall in line with what you're talking about. I don't know a, if we mentioned him on the uh, cornerbacks podcast because I know we only really mentioned Kyle Hamilton, right. but right. Lewis Seen out of Georgia is another guy yep. in that similar boat that could be a surprise safety pick for the New England Patriots in that first or second round. Okay, so let's get into the offensive lineman. Sorry, back our, to what we were doing. <laughs> yes, our friends over at NFL.com have Evan Neal slightly ahead of – Iki Aquanu, is that how you say Ike it? Iki Aquanu. Aquanu um, out of NC State. And then they actually have right up there near the top before there's a drop off, Tyler Linderbaum, the center out of Iowa, in the mix as maybe the best offensive lineman in the class. Yes. Uh, always interesting when a center is highly thought of how far, how high teams are willing to go. But I want to get Neil first because I quite frankly don't love Evan Neal. Um, Ooh, okay. I, I think he's good, not great. I actually read a quote. Um, on one of the scouting reports that he's, quote, getting an Alabama push. If he was at a different yep. school, people Makes would be sense. more critical. He is getting a push there. Um, Three-year starter, definitely, I mean, experience at left and right tackle. Looks the part when you look at 6'7", 330. He is a well-built boy. He, he was corn-fed, man. Holy. And and he's sort of the dream. I, I would put him sort of, uh, Sebastian Vollmer was built like this. If yep. I had a big and tall store, Evan Neal would be the kind of guy I'd want to model. He would be the model, suits. yes, 100%. Um, he's definitely built like that. I just – I think he's a good, not great athlete. 
at the tackle position. Yep. Um, and I, I do think you need to be more and more athletic at tackle in the National Football League. And I just, for a guy that's being talked about so highly, I actually think Equanu out of NC State is the better player. I actually like Cross and Equanu better than I like um, I'm, Evan Neal. I'm with you on Equanu. I, I like Equanu more than Neal. I do not like Cross more than Neal. Um, I think at least, I, I feel as though one of the things, uh, one of, and I can kind of, I'm gleaning on what you're getting at here with Neal is I think he allows the size of him to cover a lot of the faux pas that he makes in his or has yep. in his game, right? Where he's just so big that he can dominate people, especially at the collegiate level. Whereas in the NFL level, I don't think that necessarily translates as well. But I think that Neal, if you had a coach, and there's no coach like Dante Scarnecchia, but if you had a coach in that ilk who could really kind of bring up an offensive lineman, like this is the perfect guy for him. This is like the ultimate specimen of oh, an offensive yeah. lineman. This like, is how you, you build it in a, in you don't, a lab. Yeah, you don't get any better than this in size and, and, and of that nature. But I agree with you. I don't think the technique is super refined. I think it relies too much on that size at times. And that's why I have Iki Aquanu at number one uh, over Evan Neal as well. Yeah, I think Aquanu is – I'd be stunned if he's not good. Um, I like to cite some of the scouts' quotes. Uh, a gentleman in class, a killer on the grass. Oh, that might be hot. the quote of the year. Yep, I love that. <laughs> um, he's got a wrestling background, which I always love. Now, some people think he could be a guard. Um, I, I don't think you're going to waste that talent at guard. I agree. Even though uh, he's not quite the freak. He's uh, six four three ten at the combine, so you're not getting that high end six seven type length that I know some teams. But he has the um, same arm length as Evan Neal, so it's not yeah, like he's like short by any means either. Right. Um, it's not like the, that Isaiah win where he's kind of a, a tweener. And I will tell you, I'm a sucker. When I write down explosive and violent, like that moves an offensive lineman up on my book because that to me is what the position is about. I need you to fire out and hit somebody and or finish and hit somebody. Like, And I, I just love guys that do that, and I think he is one of those guys that just finishes people, explodes through people, um, that killer on the grass that the, the scout talked about. So I, he ran a 4-9-3-40. Um, total aside, definitely more offensive. I'm, I haven't looked this up, but definitely more offensive linemen than ever are running 4-9s and 4-8s. Oh, yeah. Like, 100% it, agree. It's and, why uh, I still think they were running like 37 yards or something at the To combine. feed into your uh, like absolute just bulldozer uh, mentality here, 67 total pancake blocks. Uh, and it. 18 knockdowns per ESPN. Love it. Um, and then Cross is a guy I actually just saw on Twitter. Uh, Mike Giardi was tweeting about him. Pete Schrager was tweeting that he is a, um, I, I hate the term, but late riser. Like there's a lot of talk of Charles Cross uh, as we are now basically two weeks away from the NFL draft that his name um, is is being bandied about more. Six five three zero seven from Mississippi State. Um, Two-year starter at left tackle. Definitely athletic. Another four nine forty type guy. Um, smooth in his passing sets, uh, from what I saw, good change of direction, athletic, light on his feet. He, to me, looks like a modern NFL tackle in terms of that, that footwork, that athleticism, the passing game, things of that nature. Yeah, so I, I agree in that aspect, but I, I think that also limits the amount of teams that can draft him, which is why I don't have him over Evan Neal. I think Evan Neal is more versatile. I don't think Charles Cross is a great run blocker. He didn't have to do it very much, right. so there's not a whole lot of evidence to support the argument either way, but I'm just not convinced that he is a great run blocker, which to me indicates, okay, you are going to need a very pass-heavy team to draft him, at least early on in in the NFL draft here because I just don't I don't know like I don't think he could 
this would be a bad pick for a team like Green Bay who wants to run the football a little bit more. This would be not the, the kind of guy that would get drafted by a team like San Francisco or anything like that. I, I think he would fit more. Like He would probably fit in a Kansas City offense. He would definitely fit in an Arizona offense, things of that nature. But like he would not fit in the Bill Belichick offense. Even if he was there at 21, I don't think I would want him on the New England Patriots. And I don't think he will be. Uh, I was just going to say that. I don't these, think so either. I think these he's three gone. guys probably going to be gone. Not really a consideration. Yes, agree. Uh, likely for the Patriots. So we'll get into a few other tackles that may be a consideration at twenty-one or whatever the Patriots pick early, and then we'll move into the interior guys. Um, Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, I think, is a really interesting prospect. Um, he's a guy that I have heard um, sort of bandied about as a Patriots target. I know Mike Giardi from NFL Network, our pal on the Off Day podcast, had a uh, tweet thread the other day talking about some of the bigger bodies the Patriots were doing a lot of work on, offense, defense, offensive line, big bodies. And he had Trevor Penning very much in that mix. Uh, 6'7", 325, three-year left tackle, um, nasty, all-American, four eight nine. He is a guy that if you can get over the the competition level, the fact that you know Charles Cross is in the SEC and Northern Iowa is in whatever the hell Northern I was in, um, different, different competition level. I think he has tremendous physical upside. If you think he can make that jump, and we've seen plenty of offensive linemen in recent years, hell, Division three and Division two guys make the jump to the NFL. Um, I th- certainly think uh, FCS, yep. right? FCS, FCS offensive linemen like Penning can make it. I like him. I, I would not I hate the kid. pick at 21. I, I'll be honest. I think he could be fun to watch over the next few years. I completely agree with you. If they're going to go tackle and they draft Trevor Penning at 21, I'm okay with it. Like, I am. I'm not in my head like, okay, this guy is going to be awesome. He's played uh, reps at both right and left tackle. So, if you want to move Brown, kick Brown over to the left and you play Penning on the right, you can do that. Because Penning is going to be an awesome run blocker. I think this guy is is just an absolute monster of a human being. He was on the uh, Bruce Feldman's annual freaks list. Like, this guy squats 625, cleans 385. He is an absolute athletic demon at tackle. And uh, so if you're going to go for an offensive lineman in the first round and you're the New England Patriots, this guy fits the bill 10 times out of 10. And I think why I like it is it feels like the version of swinging for the fences on, on the offensive line. Yep, you know, 100% like, agree. Like Jamison Williams, I think, is swinging for the fences at wide receiver. You're, you're hoping you just landed your number one target for the next 10 years to pair with Mac Jones. Well, if you take Penning, and I'm not saying it's without you know risk. Every pick has risk that you take in the, in the draft. But it feels like what I talked about earlier. You're checking off your box at, like, you know, your Tyron Smith. Like, you're just franchise left tackle. Could be could be Trevor Penning. So I like that pick. Couple others. Um, I know that Giardi also mentioned Bernard Raymond. Oh man, uh, this uh, Andy prediction time. No, 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 not no, no. This is not angry. Prediction time. The Patriots in the second round trade up a few spots and draft Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan. Okay, so this is that is an official shine prediction. I'll mark the tape. We'll see if that actually happens. But I I am predicting. The Patriots will draft at some point Bernard Raymond. I um, I mentioned it the other day on the on the podcast. This guy has been dubbed Sebastian Vollmer. Um, comes from Austria, you know that whole developmental route where you know he didn't play American football. He comes over here, stays with the family, plays football, gets noticed, was a tight end, grows into his body. Now he Military is man. Yep. Now he's six foot six, three hundred and three pounds. 
Um, certainly is a developmental prospect to which I respond my concern is, and this is a, a side I want to get into, he's 25 years old. Yeah. That's old. And this entire offensive line draft class is filled with older prospects, a lot of it due to COVID, guys being given a sixth year of eligibility. So there are a ton of about to turn 24 or already 24-year-old offensive line prospects, which I understand. NFL careers aren't that long, so if the guy's good, you take him at 24, you play him for six to eight years, and he retires at 32. And if he's good, you feel really good about it. He gave you, you know, the better part of a decade as a mainstay on your line. But I would, in my personal sort of scouting philosophy, I would downgrade a guy. He's 25 years old. Like, he could have four years of NFL experience already, but no, he's a raw developmental rookie. He's going to get drafted and be the same age as Lamar Jackson, who's already won an MVP. (laughs) Right. So it's just, that's why, that's one of the reasons why I'm not really all that high on on Raymond like I I just I get it so I, I understand the age thing but I I just I like the the tools I, I think he's quick I, I think he's strong he's Save great with hit. his hands I like the tools yeah I like the tools uh he, he's strong with his hands like I, I just think this guy has a lot going for him I I agree my two big negatives are he's 25 already and I wish he was like 15 to 20 pounds heavier Outside of that, like I really and he may get like, heavier. Who knows? Yeah, you know, he may. get him on an NFL program. Coming from Central Michigan, maybe there's yeah. a little more uh, Ted Harper milkshakes or Have whatever. Him hang out him. with Trent Brown a little bit more. He yeah. he might be all right. Um, but I just I I think he has a lot of potential, and I know that's the 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 buzzword or whatever. But I, I think there's a lot to work with with a guy like Raymond. Where I don't think it's worth a first round pick, but I think if he's there in the middle of the second, I think that's a great pick. Okay, so my version, I think of that. A little bit later, but I'm just sort of lusting after traits and size and potential and background. Is the Minnesota kid Daniel? Oh, this kid is Faalele. Um, he's from oh, Australia. Talk about an absolute corn-fed unit, by the way. Well, I don't know if it's corn-fed because uh, you know okay. he's Tongan, he's Samoan. I, I what do they eat down there? Is it? I, uh, I don't know. Let's not be offensive and generalize. No, but yes, the, what's the? There's a there's a food. Oh, God, it's going to bug the crap out of me. I'll, I'll think of it. Never okay, you think of that. But I've always joked, and it got me in trouble. I was asked not to say it on TV back when I did the uh, TV broadcast of the preseason games. I've always liked linemen, linebackers that are Tongan or Samoan descent. Yep. I, I don't know. I think they come from a different world, and they bring a different uh, physicality and focus and attitude to the game. And uh, even if he didn't have that, he's, uh, he's let's just say, 6'8", 390. Dude, he is a mammoth of a human being. And who better to slot in? Let's just say, and I actually haven't looked where he's slotted, but let's just say you draft him and don't start him this year. Like, he's Trent Brown 2.0. Like, who better to teach him how to be a big, fat tackle than a big, fat tackle? Like, Trent Brown, this could be his understudy for two years from now. Um, he's way, a power-based guy. I was thinking of was Vegemite, just for those. Oh, out it's there awful. Have you ever tried it? No, but for those yelling at the radio or their car or whatever, trying to help me out, it was Vegemite. That was well. The, the it's the I worst thinking. thing I've ever put in my mouth by <laughs> okay, far. Well, there you go. No, no, no I, like I'm not. I, I, <laughs> I put a little taste of it when when I used to be on uh, Patriots.com. We had a lot of listeners in yep. Australia, and they actually sent some in because they wanted us to try it. I can't explain how bad it is. I gagged. I was spitting Ugh. up. I felt sick to my stomach for like an hour, and I I only had a little teeny taste of it. Apparently, they put it on like their toast. Yeah, yeah, every that's morning. Vegemite with toast. 
it, it's one of the worst things that you'll ever taste on the okay. planet. I Good mean, know. no offense, but I think eating crap would taste better than what that <laughs> stuff tasted like. Anyways. I got to think there's better tasting crap. Back to Daniel uh, Fa'alele. Fa'alele. I like to say his name, too. I love it. I wouldn't mind hearing TV broadcasters having to say that like 20 times a game, protecting yep. Matt oh, Jones. Yeah. This guy, Fa'alele, locking down the left side. I just can't get past how big this guy is, by the way. Like, Evan Neal is a big dude. This guy is even bigger than Evan Neal. Oh, God, He yeah. has 35 and an eighth inch wingspan. That's, that's so big. I, I can't. This that's guy would swallow him. me whole. That's why I would take him. And I'm fat. Jesus, this is this guy is a mammoth. Yeah, I'm agree. I just I lust after the size that this guy has. He's a guy that I would literally. I don't know if we have rookie mini camp access anymore, but then we get into OTAs. Literally, would be excited to drive to Foxborough just to see him. Just yep. to you know, just- hopefully Mike Reese does an interview with him so we can get that Trent Brown 2.0 picture of little <laughs> yes. Mike Reese talking to Big Danielle Falalele. Imagine um, both of them on either side of Mike. Uh, it would be awesome. That would, would be, be so cool. Absolutely awesome. So we're in agreement that even if he's kind of just a, um, I don't know, developmental prospect, we're intrigued. Yep, I'm into um, it. Any other of the tackles, I got a few more on my list, but any other, other of the tackles that you watch or intrigued by, names you've seen linked to the Patriots, anything in that area? Uh, I, I like Tyler Smith, uh, the kid out of Tulsa. Uh, yep. He's 6'5", 324. Um, another, another kid with 34-inch wingspan. I, I like him. I, I, he's he's huge. Uh, or not huge. He's not quite you know, Daniel Luff. Or yeah. Fala, not many I, people are. No. Fa-a-le. But he has, he has great length. He moves really well. He is just a nasty run blocker. So I, I like Tyler Smith. I don't love him. I think there there would be a lot to work on in, in the pass game. But I, I think in the run game, he would be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think he has a high ceiling. Um, whether he reaches that ceiling or not. I'm not sure. Yep. And I'm interested in him because, just a quick aside to some of our listeners, I put together my own big board where I get an Excel spreadsheet and I get every position and I try to put 20 to 30 to 40 names in every position. And the way I usually start in January is just looking at top 100 lists, Kuiper's top 10 at each position, you know, and kind of bring it all together, who sort of the aggregation of all of those are. And Tyler Smith wasn't really included in a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And now people have him as like a second round pick. I had to add him to my list. Um, but yeah, six foot five, 324 pound, two year left tackle. I know one of the knocks against him, uh, he had 16 penalties last year, which is a whole hell of a lot Not in great. college football. And, and he kind of got, in some instances, the guys who were faster pass rushers that weren't necessarily power pass rushers yep. just kind of blew right by him. Yeah, I have times. concerns, but I think he, we're going to get into the classic cliche here. High ceiling, low floor. He might also translate better as a guard. Yes. In, oh, in definitely. Some instances. Definitely. Uh, and so that that especially just because of how well he run blocks, I think he would just be a menace pulling like on on power options or power runs and stuff. So like I I I think in that regard he might translate better to the guard position in the NFL. Uh, another tackle I did like, um, who again a lot of these guys have guard flexibility. Feels like a Patriot to me. Maybe a late day two, even early day three Patriot. Abraham Lucas, Washington State, 6'6", 325, four-year starter at right tackle. Um, he's a captain. He's um, just a pass guy because, you know, they went from Mike Leach to whoever their coach is now, um, sort of a run-and-shoot, you know, whatever, uh, pass offense. Um, really light on his feet, athletic, mirrors. I, perfect pass pro guy to me. Um, again, 
where the run blocking will go. Some of that will be his work ethic, his coaching, some of those things. But I think you could do a lot worse in terms of mid-round prospects than Abraham Locus. Yeah, I, I agree. I think State. he is a good shot-in-the-dark pick kind of uh, in the uh, in the middle of the draft. Okay, so let's uh, flip over to some of the top guard prospects because there has been plenty of smoke, rumor, buzz that the Patriots are in on some of the top guard prospects, that it could be a legitimate consideration for the 21st pick. Uh, depending on where you look, there is a little bit of a uh, back and forth as who the top guard is. Some people believe it's local boy, Zion Johnson out of Boston College, transferred here from Davidson. And a lot of other people think it's Kenyon Green, Texas A&M, um, who, who could be the top guard in this year's draft class. So let's start with Johnson. Um, 32 reps, which I like. Love to love to see the, the uh, 225 reps over 30. Get excited about that. Um, he, to me, is, uh, and I know he played some tackle for Boston College a couple years ago. To me, he's definitely a guard. And even at guard, I think his athleticism isn't through mm-hmm. the roof. Yep. Um, I think there's some concerns. Like, he's one of those guys, I, I did see him referred to as phone booth guard. Like, if, he, if you're in his area, yes. he's going to win. Yep. If he needs to leave his area or you leave his area, now we could have a, f- a fight on our hands. He sometimes but, becomes, not to use another Mayockism at the same time, but like a, a polar bear on skates. Yes, uh, but definitely powerful. Moves good enough, I think, to be a starting guard in the NFL, just how high. And then the other thing is, fair or not, I do believe if he is drafted, he's immediately compared not to Ted Karras, but to Shaq Mason. He's yes, supposed to be your best offensive lineman, right? Yep. Okay, so I don't know if he's that. I don't know if he's as good as Shaq Mason. I don't know if he's that caliber of a guard. But yeah, I don't think he is. I don't either. So how um, how would you react? Twenty one, Boston College offensive because Boston College they churn out good NFL offensive linemen, right? Kind of like Wisconsin. Yep. Like that's what you get. How how upset uh, would you? Meh, it would you? I would, Andy. I would punch the computer monitor in front of me. <laughs> I would just absolutely <laughs> smash it because I. I am, and this may just be a me thing, I think there's other people in the NFL media spectrum that would agree. I don't think, 99 times out of 100, it is worth it to take a guard in the first round of the NFL draft. I just don't think, value-wise, that the, that it, it it matters as much. If you have Quentin Nelson, sure, I get it. Like, you have a Hall of Fame caliber guard, you're drafting him in the first round, okay, that makes sense to me. This kid does not grade out as Quentin Nelson. He is, no, he is not good. even close. He is good and has the potential to be better, but he is not Quentin Nelson. I am not using a first-round pick on a bleeping guard. I would rather you draft literally any other non-special team position on the field <laughs> than an offensive guard with your first-round pick. About the I, I, uh, sure, I would rather you take another stab at quarterback <laughs> to compete with Mac Jones than draft a guard in the first round of the NFL draft. I will absolutely some smash my monitor into high heavens if the Patriots take a guard in the first round. Sorry, well, I will it's say happen. I've used this quote for twenty years. I don't know whether it still holds true. I don't. I haven't had the chance to kind of get him in a quiet corner to ask him. But Bill Belichick used to go to the school in the early two thousands. Quote: "You can always find a guard." Literally, every it. guard he has or he's had, he finds in the later rounds. Shaq well, not Mason, everyone. Shaq Mason. Logan Mankins was a famous first-round pick that was who like was a left guard. tackle that played guard and was a great guard, in my opinion. I know people poo-poo him because he didn't win the Super 100%. Bowl and all that stuff. But 
Um, Bill was a, but like, and, and the early teams, if you go back, Joe Andrusi was a street guy. Like he was your starting yeah. guard on a Super Wasn't Bowl team. Wasn't Stephen Neal too, right? Stephen Neal's a wrestler who the only reason he got a shot is because he and Belichick shared the same agent. And Exa- they, like I think the, he did his agent a favor. Shaq, you're looking at Shaq Mason and Joe Tooney and Ted Karras and all these guys. None of these guys were first-round picks. There's right. a reason for that. You can find a guy to play guard. I can figure it out at that position. Tackle, I get it. Even so, even center, has I, I think, even has more value than guard at this point. Hmm. Uh, I, like Tyler Linderbaum, I think is a discussion we should have before this podcast is over. Oh, we will, we it, will. So, but guard to me is not and never has been worth a first round pick. I'm sorry, Zion Johnson could be a really great player. He could be what about a, Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson is a first round player. Okay, because he changes the field. But in there's my opinion. very few Quentin Nelson. Agreed, a hundred percent. He is on a different. He agreed. I just wanted to. He is the exception of the rule. He is that one time out okay. of a hundred. I would take a guard in the first round. Okay, so Zion let's Johnson does not to, re- meet that. Let's I'm sorry. transition to another first round guard prospect, Kenyon Green. What are your thoughts on him? Even though you don't want to take a, a guard in the first round. Yeah, I like Kenyon Green. I think he's good. He's big. He's strong. He's got a really powerful base. Uh, a, 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 a former five-star recruit, uh, played at Texas A&M, so I love that he was in the SEC. I, I think those things matter to me, especially when you're playing offensive line, because that means he's going up against guys like Jordan Davis on yep. the other side of the football. And if you're playing well against guys like that, I think that matters a lot. And so, to me, I, I like Kenyon Green. I think he may have a higher ceiling than Zion Johnson. Agreed. Um, but I think Zion Johnson may be able to make more of an impact right out of the draft. Yeah, um, Kenyon Green to me is bigger, and when I watch him play, he's more athletic. He ran a slower forty time, he's but when I watch him pull and yeah, and when I watch him pull and play, it's funny. He is weaker and slower based on combine measurables. Yep. But when I watch him play, I like his power and yes. I like his athleticism, and I I think he has that you know mean streak I talked about earlier. I see him finishing blocks, driving guys to the ground. Um, and he, he has some experience bouncing around the line, so I do think Kenyon Green has more upside. This is a very NFL Shaq value. Mason-esque player. Like this is this would be the one for one replacement, but I don't want him in the first round. If you're drafting Kenyon Green in the second round, okay, I can I, I understand, right? I, I think he has a similar uh outlook NFL career wise to a guy like Shaq Mason. I think you could you can sell me on that. I cannot do that in the first round. I just can't do it. Okay, so a guy that'll be available later, I think in the two three range, um, SEC, which I know you like, yep. uh, Jamari Sailor or Sailor, I don't know how to say his name, but um, out of Georgia, he's six foot three, three twenty one. He was considered one of the best high school football players in the country when he went to Georgia. I believe he's a, a Georgia kid, stayed close to home, went to Georgia. Um, two year left tackle there, captain, uh, second team All American. He did take center snaps at the Senior Bowl, so I think he kind of has the versatility. Could be a tackle, a guard, or a center in the NFL. Um, Only gave up one sack in his career playing, which I like. Um, 31 reps in the the bench press. I don't love his punch, but to me, he looks like a guard who's going to be good or a guard with maybe some flexibility to be great and give you some versatility to other positions. I think he... In terms of a guy you might get in the mid-rounds, I think he could be an absolute steal. This is the guy. This is the kind of guy I want. This is the this is the perfect guard draft pick. I can get him probably right in that three, maybe four range if I'm lucky. 
Uh, he has all of the tools that I need at a guard position. He comes from Georgia, just so happens my center also from Georgia, so yep. that kind of helps. Uh, and I, and I, I just think Georgia players in general are a whole different breed right now. So being able to get a guy like Jamari Saylor or Saylor in the third or fourth round, I think would be like that's that's when I'm like, okay, this is the perfect time to draft a guard. Let's do this. I'm all in, especially if you've addressed other needs in the first two rounds. Like this is a guy I am in on for the Patriots to draft. And I don't know if backup center is a need. Um, I know no, they but have it's James nice Ferentz. to have like with Ted Karras, yes. right? Yes. Like he could play guard if something happens to David Andrews. Karras slides over and boom, plug in a guard. And I think I, I think that matters, especially to Bill Belichick. Salier can do that. Uh, Cole Strange, the kid out of Chattanooga, who I actually like. He's another one of these older kids, um, five or six years. Um, I think he's twenty-four years old, six foot five, three oh seven. Um, can play center, can play guard. Uh, I think has plenty of upside. Is going to be another mid-round pick. And I do think there's enough of these guys that it backs up your point. Not just can you always get a guard, theoretically, in the middle of the draft. In this year's draft, I think you can get a guard. I think there are actual prospects valued in that range that are going to be really good NFL players, which would dissuade me personally from going guard early. But I think Cole Strange would be another guy that would be in that mid-round mix as a potential Patriot. Yeah, I like the way you're thinking. Um, any other guards before we move on? I know you want to make sure we touch on the center position, and I know yeah, we're I would probably like to... going longer on the line than anyone in the world would ever expect. Yeah, I think we. I think it's about time we get to Tyler Linderbaum. Okay, Tyler Linderbaum is, as I said earlier, the best center in the draft. Yep. Although, I guess there's some late push for a couple other guys, but he, he's been widely accepted as the best center in the draft. As I noted, NFL.com, we talked about their grading system. They have Evan Neal as a 6.76, followed by Equanu at 6.73, and then Linderbaum at 6.7 overall. So they think he is up there with the best offensive lineman in the class. Obviously, undersized because well that's just how centers are half the time he's yes. six foot two 296 he's a former wrestler comes from that Iowa offensive line development program which we know is so respected um and I think he's a really good player really good player I would never take him in the first round never. personally nope I don't think he's that transformational a talent I mean I've watched David Andrews and Ryan Wendell and these guys in New England be good enough over the years and I think if there's a position uh, I'll tell you, I coach uh, young youth baseball. Sometimes you hide a kid at third base because that's a good place to put him if he's in the infield. You get him some infield time, and uh, it doesn't really cost you in, in the game. I think you can hide a center. If you have good guards, I think if, if they get a good guard to match up with Mike Onwenu, who I think can be a good guard, I just don't see the value in a first-round center. Yeah, so I, I think I look at center very much similar to guard uh, in that 99 times out of 100. I'm not going to draft him in the first round. But I think there are certain instances where you do draft a guy in the first round, and I think Tyler Linderbaum is one of those instances. I think Tyler Linderbaum is very, very good. Uh, I do agree with you. I think he's a little undersized. But in an NFL offense that wants to is predicated on zone run, there, and now that there's so effing many of them, I think Tyler Linderbaum is a really great fit in today's NFL. And I think he translates very, very well. Um he, he reminds me a lot of the center for the Eagles. The name is escaping me. Uh, Jason Kelsey. Kelsey, yes. Yeah. I, I, he reminds me a lot of Kelsey, and I think that in a, great, in a good system, I think Tyler Linderbaum has the potential to be, have a, uh, I don't, I don't want to say Quentin Nelson-style impact. I'll go more with a Joe Thomas-style longevity. 
right? Where he is just consistently great. Like borderline all pro center, eight straight years. Like that's what I see out of a guy like this in a system that he fits in. He doesn't fit here in New England. I agree with you. If you're in New England, you're never taking this guy in the first round. Under any circumstance in Belichick's entire career, would you ever take a guy like this in the first round? But when you're talking about teams like Green Bay, like San Francisco, even a team similar to like Denver now, I would assume, with Nathaniel Hackett having come from the LaFleur tree, uh, even uh, the, the Rams, anybody in this wide zone scheme offense, Linderbaum is perfect. Because the kid can move, he, he pulls really well, uh, he's light, which helps him move faster and quicker. Um, I, I just don't think he fits, he doesn't necessarily fit in every system, which is why I don't think he is graded as high as he should be. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you'll ever, I, I always say this about certain guys, you'll never regret having him on your team. Yeah, 100% agree. You could regret how you got him there. And, you know, like, oh, I used the 18th pick in the draft when X, Y, and Z were still on the board. But, so, like, but if what, the Cincinnati Bengals take him at the end of the first round, that's a great pick. Lock it up. That'd be a great pick, and I think he'll feel really good about it for a Put really long time. Put him in between time. Ted Karras and uh, the former Buccaneers guard there, uh, and, and, and I think you are cooking with gas. And not only that. Put him in front of Joe Burrow and with Chase yes. and with like you already Youth have your core. You're not looking for stud impact offensive players. You're filling out you know a championship team. Yes. Yeah. So a place like Cincinnati, I think, would be a home run. Okay. Looking at some other centers. Um, so I want to touch on one guy who's not. Uh, he's fallen down the draft boards of late. Local guy, Boston College, Alec Lindstrom. Um, familiar with his family. His brother was. I believe a first-round pick by the Falcons a couple years ago. His dad, his uncle, like a true football family. Um, he's, again, one of the older guys, 24 years old already, 6'3", 296. I think he was higher thought of coming into last year, and now in the process, he's like a late-round pick. Um, kind of fell down the board. Certainly didn't help that he's undersized and still ran a 5.1840. Um, he's fine. Like, again... As a developmental late round, like David Andrews was undrafted. Yeah. Do I think Alec Lindstrom could be a David Andrews? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Undersized, late in the draft, whatever. Oh, he doesn't wow you, and then you get him in a team, in meetings. Make it, I saw like Zion Johnson was super complimentary of Lindstrom in terms of his, his line calls, his experience, his leadership, like taking charge. So he's a guy, once he's on your team, I think you'll love him. Yep. I, I and then agree with you. A, a potential Patriot... Uh, a guy I liked late in the process, like a day three selection, who I think has real upside, is Luke Fortner out of Kentucky. 6'4", 307, another 24-year-old, captain, all SEC. Um, just sounds like a, the perfect guy to me. 31 reps in the bench. Okay, too. big, strong. Already has three degrees, I believe two different masters Holy. coming out of Kentucky. Uh, he was termed elite, quote-unquote, in character, and has experience at both guard spots and center. So if I'm an NFL general manager and I'm getting to that day three and I see a guy that's played all the interior spots, starter, captain, experienced, degrees, character, bench, like, why would I not draft this guy? Yeah, I, I mean, everything screams I'm going to draft this guy. Like, I, I, get, I get it, all the athletics aren't necessarily there, but no. every intangible on the planet is there. And he's 6'6", 300 pounds. Like, that's 
I, I don't see how you get a better fit at center. Like, that to me just screams my guy. Okay, and another guy that I think there's some push kind of up the board late in the process is Cam Jurgens out of Nebraska. 6'3", 303, um, 49240, which obviously helps him. Um, I think he's a mid-round talent. I think he's a good athletic player. Um, doesn't have versatility. I believe he's only been a center. Um, so, I, you know, not one of these guys that you necessarily say, oh, yeah, he can definitely play guard for me if I need him to. Um, but he's a good, solid center. And, again, same thing. You never hate having a good, solid center. Agreed. Um, okay, so where do you expect the Patriots to take an offensive lineman as we wrap up this uh, off-day podcast? Uh, First, second, third, how high and how upset? I'm going to be. I'm gonna say this with the utmost confidence so that I can put good energy in the air. I think the Patriots will go offensive line in the third round of the NFL draft in 2022. Okay, and whew, I also think there's a chance that the trade could affect the – like if they trade down – and accumulate a couple more picks, say, in the third round, however they get out of 21, move down, wherever they end up. I think that also increases. If they pick three times in the second and third round, let's say, yep, kind of increases the chances of a day two offensive lineman Agreed. being added to the mix. 100% um, agree. Like, if they trade out of 21, I think there's a very good chance you see a, an offensive lineman in that second round. And then who knows, maybe they even trade back up. Maybe there's a guy that they say, we really like him. We don't want to take him at 21. Oh, he's available at 34? Oh, oh, well, we might have to move back up to go get him. A situation. Yeah, so I I could see them doing that. Uh, I do think it's a need. It's not a sexy need, but it's a need on the inside to add a starter. It's a need on the outside to add a long-term piece to pair up with Mac Jones and the rest of your developing, building, ascending offense. And it's a spot where I think, if I don't even know if the Patriots are having a draft party at Gillette Stadium, but... There'll be groans, grunts, and uh, when they take an offensive lineman or if they take an offensive lineman at 21. And you'll hear me make similar noises probably on WEEI on draft night. He's Chris Scheim. I'm Andy Hart. We just gave you the ins, the outs, the ups and downs, and a variety of opinions on the offensive line. Some are good. Some are bad. But, hey, I'm not sure you can get it just anywhere else. So that's an off-day podcast in the books. See ya. You've been listening to the Off Day Podcast with Andy Hart and Chris Scheim on WEEI.com and the Odyssey app.